Our next guest describes herself as a radically honest psychotherapist, which is exactly the type of person we love to talk to here on TGE. Whitney Goodman is the mastermind behind the hugely popular Instagram account, Sit With Wit, as well as a columnist for Psychology Today. She's been featured on and in dozens of big name stations and publications, including the New York Times, Teen Vogue, New York Magazine, InStyle and Good Morning America. In addition to running her own therapy center in Miami, Whitney has also authored a book called Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy, which is why we are chatting with her today. Welcome, Whitney. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> such a pleasure. And uh, your book is such a boon to parents and people like us who are kind of sick of... <laughs> of toxic positivity. So uh, before we get stuck into all of that, uh, you are not immune to the question that we ask most of our guests, and that's who calls you mom? Oh, well, my son <laughs> he calls me mom. <laughs> he's a, he's a um, fresh new little person in the world, isn't he? Yes, he's actually turning one next month, which is really crazy. Um, it feels like it just happened yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so it's wild. I think I'm like officially a mom now, not like a brand new one. And not a, <laughs> and not a fake mom, huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned your stripes, kind of. Yes, sort of, <laughs> depending on who you ask, I guess. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I always say, you know how some people, and it probably would have happened with you, that you have, you're pregnant still while it's Mother's Day. And so people are like, oh, yes. happy almost Mother's Day. And I know I want to petition against that. If you are pregnant, you are a mom. And, exactly. And you've already earned your stripes just in that. So, yeah, maybe we should we should get on that, Charlene, and start something. <laughs> yes, let's start will, a movement. I will support that. <laughs> I'll sign your petition. Yay. <laughs> so, Whitney, you're a mom, but your book, Toxic Positivity, is not focused on parenting alone, though toxic positivity is still very relevant to parenting. So I want to know what prompted you to write this book to get started on it. Yeah, I, I started an Instagram account just to market my private practice because I was looking for a free way to do that when I first got started. And I got acquainted with this other side of Instagram that I guess I had never seen of all this like, positive thinking and manifestation and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, I feel terrible seeing this. And I wonder um, if my clients feel this way too. And so it was something I started just like looking out for and talking about with people. And I realized I wasn't alone in this. So I decided to write about it on social media. And I got such a big polarizing reaction, especially at the time I had such a small account that it was kind of crazy how far that first post went, um, that I was like, wow, this is something that a lot of people are upset with and dealing with. And also something that so many people were so like defensive of like that positivity could be anything other than good. Um, and that was immediately when I was like, this is something we have to continue talking about. So in your book, you differentiate between toxic positivity and sort of a, a good positivity. I, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it's 
it's refreshing to hear that because of that polarizing nature of what's become of positivity. Just that, just that word is so loaded, and we're going to talk about authenticity a bit later. Um, but I'm interested in in some of the anecdotes that you bring in from clients that you counseled. So yes, we're going to chat about the parenting sphere and how toxic positivity has been so dangerous for that. But a lot of your clients, you know, are suffering from chronic illnesses. You also counseled their loved ones. And you bring in those anecdotes, so I'm curious, I would imagine that you saw a pattern with your clients in terms of uh, their interpersonal relationships, issues they had at work, their own self-worth and guilt and shame surrounded um, or shrouded in religion. So what, you know, what was that process? Did it inform the way that you wrote the book? Yeah, you know, I think the, the common theme I saw was that people were coming to therapy and talking about how they felt. And then doing a lot of this, like, I know I shouldn't complain. I know I should be positive. I'm trying to be positive. And it was almost like they had to sandwich everything they were telling me with this caveat of like, I'm, I don't want to be like this. I promise I'm trying to be positive. And so what I noticed is this huge discrepancy between this is how people are coming to therapy. This is how a lot of people are presenting themselves online and in the world as being these really happy, positive people. And we all have this immense pressure on us to not look like we're struggling with anything and to just like, at least if we are struggling, be like, but I'm trying to be positive or I know I should be positive. And I felt like, wow, if I could put all these people in a room to talk about this and everyone would be like, okay, we can stop pretending now. It's, it's okay to feel like this. Isn't it also just, I guess, I don't know if irony is ironic, if it's the right term, but so many people believe the more positive you are, the more positive uh, you'll, you'll be, you know, the more it's, it's, it's mind over matter. You just got to keep thinking positive and, and positive things will happen in your life and then you'll be happier. And, and that's not the reality. And there's no there's no real safe space or room for people to feel comfortable to admit that. Yeah, it's so true that there's sort of that law of attraction belief, right? That like attracts like, and the more positivity you put out there, the more you'll get back. And it's true that if you only focus on your most negative thoughts, they are probably going to grow, right? There's some science behind that. But what we also know is that if you try to suppress everything else you're feeling, that doesn't work either. And it actually creates the opposite mm. results that it's not as simple as just like think positive thoughts, get positive thoughts back or positive mm. things back. Mm. I'm interested how anything of this and this thinking changed for you during and post COVID because I, I do think that the, I mean, COVID was a huge catalyst for a lot of this type of thinking and what made it so polarizing so uh, you know what did, did you experience that with your clients as well absolutely and honestly that was when I decided to pitch this as a book to editors was I think I started writing the book right after like the lockdown sort of stage but it was so huge online. And especially in the US, we had a lot of, you know, conversations about race and things like that that were happening, that there was toxic positivity all around that as well, that I found it was 
sort of blowing up in that moment. But also I was noticing that a lot of my clients were getting more and more sick of it. They were kind of Mm. asking for people to be like real and upfront and honest Mm. about what was going on. And and I was feeling that as well. You wouldn't know this, but I mean, with Black Lives Matter, that, that was sort of, you know, stirring from as early as 2013 there in the States. But it was when George Floyd was killed. Um, by police in your country that it really hits home in South Africa, which we're, we've been plagued by apartheid for you know, our, our whole lives, uh, you know, as, as adults, as parents, and it's impacted on a lot of how we see things and a lot of how we relate to each other. So uh, the ripple effect came through and changed the language, and I think that's also what you were seeing. It's so interesting to me that you saw that on Instagram at that time because we're learning new terms. We're learning like fragility and we're learning, um, you know, spiritual bypassing and, and all of that. And it it just all seems like it played into this one big social movement, a cultural shift. And I'm, I'm curious as to how that ties into how you've framed parenting and being a new parent. So we've got also, Hashtag blessed. There's a on Instagram. I'm sure you saw it. Uh, the, there's a soundbite by Jordan Peterson, the Canadian uh, yes, uh, yes. psychiatrist. I think he is. Um, of like, you know, you have four years. That's what it, it's. It is out of context. I'll give Jordan Peterson that. That soundbite is totally out of context. You have four years, and it goes by really fast. And you know, we all know that soundbite. If you if you're if you on Instagram and you're a parent, you would have had that push towards you. <laughs> so in your book, you talk about that, you, not that specifically, but you talk about fertility and loss, child loss, um, pregnancy loss, and uh, being pregnant yourself. So that must have been an absolute trip <laughs> and, and offered ah, yes. you lots of insights into your content. So <laughs> tell us more about that brand of crazy, writing this while pregnant. Yeah, writing this while pregnant during a pandemic was something I don't recommend for anyone looking um, to have their first child, (laughs) but I did it and I got a lot of good material for the book. I will say that because I think toxic positivity really thrives in parenting circles um, when you're trying to conceive, when you're pregnant, you hear it from all sides, right? So Mm. while you're pregnant, it's like, isn't it so beautiful? You know, enjoy every minute of the pregnancy. And I was one of those women that was throwing up for like 20 weeks. There was nothing beautiful about me being pregnant. (laughs) So I'm grateful I had a healthy baby, but Mm. we have to kind of balance both of those things, right? Mm. And that's a reckoning that I see happening online now that I don't know if you guys have also noticed of like, there are a lot of moms that are tired of talking about things in that way. And they're getting really honest and it makes people very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And there's so many comments like, Oh, you're so ungrateful. All you do is complain. You shouldn't have been a mom. And I'm like, wow, you think women have been thinking this for so long. It's just the first time they're actually talking about it. And mm. I feel like they're allowed to talk about it. And there's a lot of guilt and shame that we're trying to dispel in being vulnerable about that. I mean, Charlene and I in the Great Equalizer podcast, just in starting this project was 
I guess, a revolt, Charlene, would you use that word? A revolt yeah, against that type of thinking? That that type of thinking and that mindset. I mean, this this podcast, a big reason why it was started was because we we said to each other, I don't feel like these people. Sometimes I hate it. Sometimes it's really shit. Yeah. And there was never, you never felt um, comfortable enough to admit that in certain circles. And so we just realized that there's got to be other women out there who feel this way. So if we get backlash or we get canceled for having this podcast and saying it out loud, then that's fine. You don't have to sit at our table if you don't feel this way. But if you do feel this way, there is a seat at this table for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. So I want to share with our audience, if you don't mind me giving them a sneak peek into your book, sure. um, you know, for those, because there are, there are tons, and, and it's very divisive as well. So there's tons of women in South Africa who are struggling with fertility issues. And again, here with movements in the US, Roe versus Wade, how that filters into how we experience that in South Africa it, it always trickles down you know these types of thinking and the impacts that the, that the laws have uh, which is a whole other topic discussion just that it's a whole other discussion but I find that when we don't talk about it when, and when we invalidate each other it becomes divisive and women get divided mm. into groups not just mm. in terms of color and creed and religion but in terms of oh you have children and you don't or you're single and you're and we're married and it's mm. hot and there's no and women of, of anybody in this world women need to be cohesive and on the same side yeah right mm. anyways what i i digress <laughs> i wanted to say you speak about annie in your book and infertility and pregnancy loss and some of the things, uh, the encouragement that she receives that she should be grateful for is the baby you're meant to have will come. Uh, this is a great one, which uh, also extends to grief, which is the next part of that chapter. God only gives you what you can handle. At least there are so many other ways to make a family. Think positive and the baby will come. If Oh, this is the best for people with fertility issues. Forget about it because when you're stressed, that's when things don't work. As soon as you've forgotten about it, then things will things will fall into place. So that's just in terms of, but you have so many of these examples throughout the book, things people said to you when you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. How do we bridge this gap between women, Whitney? I really think we have to try to seek understanding. I feel like that is the biggest message that I'm trying to put out with this book is instead of trying to tell people how to feel, what to do, what they should be thinking in that moment, try to understand what they're going through. Mm. You know, if it, even if you've never been through it in your life, you can ask questions. You can try to say like, that sounds really hard. Yes. You can empathize with people and you can know that even if somebody is walking in completely different shoes, that we can all kind of get to the emotional part of it of like, I know what sadness feels like. I know what it feels like to not be able to get what I want. Um, I know what it feels like for people to not understand me and to try to relate to someone on that point rather mm -hmm. than trying to work around the facts mm -hmm. of what they're going through or try to give them a solution. 
Yeah. People aren't always looking for a solution. Sometimes they're just, I think the biggest thing is um, that safe space. I keep coming back to the safe space, but there's so much guilt in just, if we look at parenting alone, there's mom guilt. There's a lot of things you feel guilty and stressed about. Um, Now to have to feel guilty about, because I, today I feel like I hate this parenting gig because there are women who would die to, to be able to, to, to birth a child, you know, Mm -hmm. there's you, you just because, just because you don't know what they feel like and they don't know what you feel like, doesn't mean those emotions aren't real. And there's got to be a way of acknowledging that we're walking different paths, but your hurt also hurts. And my mm-hmm. hurt also hurts. And just as, just being a support for someone, people don't always need a solution or some wise, wise crack idea, but why don't you do this? Or have you tried X, Y, and Z? Same goes for parenting. When people give unsolicited advice about, remember now they're a toddler. So they, this is the way they think. And sometimes you just need someone to hear you and, and hold space for your feelings or, and say, gosh, I can imagine how hard that must be for you. So we're not yeah, and you didn't write this book to tell everybody to be morbid and miserable. Okay, here we're talking about understanding, bridging the gaps. So being like leaning into negativity is not the crux of your message. This is what you're saying. But what, okay, what is the crux of your message? Let's let's chat about good positivity, not what do you call it? You call it helpful positivity. Let's chat about helpful positivity because that's what that's what's going to be, you know, a great tool for people who are trying to navigate this new, I think it's a new space. Yeah. The, the crux of my message is really that every emotion that we feel, if we need and want to look into it, holds some type of value for us, even the negative sides. And so when we look at healthy, helpful positivity, we're talking about being able to hold space for the whole spectrum of feelings. So the good, the neutral, the bad, and to think about it in a way of like, this is hard right now, what I'm going through. It's tough. I don't like it. I don't want to deal with it. And I have hope or I have um, faith or I'm optimistic that things can be different in the future. And I'm going to do what I can to help get to that place. So what I'm trying to get people to kind of come around to is that like, you can find value in all of those feelings and also figure out what do I control here? What is in my power to do and give people some agency over Mm. their lives? I want to interrupt my own thought process and come back to, I want to talk about authenticity and your view on it, but I do find that you are so respectful towards religion and people's faith which I think also comes as um, you know if someone finds comfort in religion and their faith and their spirituality that's not on you as a therapist to question so I think your training as a therapist did you a great service there could you speak a little bit more about spiritual bypassing how it ties into toxic positivity and how people with faith who might be grappling these feelings can navigate that. Yeah. I see faith as a clinician, as a tool that can be used by people who want to pick it up and use it much like anything else. And you're right. It's not my job 
to tell people whether they should use that or not. And faith has been shown or religion has been shown to have a lot of positive benefits when it's used in the right way. What I have found though, is that people are told that they are not actually faithful, um, that they're doing something wrong or anything like that. If they question their faith at all. And that means having any Mm -hmm. negative thoughts, any feelings of like, maybe this isn't how it's not supposed to be or any distrust in like, quote unquote, God's plan. Mm -hmm. And so what I think can turn into toxic positivity is when we try to apply what brings us peace to other people's lives where it doesn't fit for them. Mm -hmm. And so you telling yourself like, this is God's plan. Uh, I know it's all going to work out for me. If that feels good for you, great. Run with that and use it all the time. But if I tell you, hey, I'm not religious and you keep using that with me, that could turn into what is a very kind thing to say on paper into something quite toxic because you're really telling me that I have to take on your beliefs in order to get through something. And it can feel Mm. very shameful to people. That's such a that's such a great way that you phrased it because I've always always thought about that or grappled with it, but I've never been able to like articulate exactly yeah. how it makes me feel. So Whitney, you speak about being authentic, um, honest. You you describe yourself as radically honest, and authenticity, you know, comes into play, but it's become such a loaded term as well, almost trite uh, for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, you know, hash, hashtag blessed is very similar to hashtag authentic, you know, how do we, so how do we bring that in to that helpful positivity, um, especially in a world where the term authenticity is so loaded. You just want to be, you want to have integrity. We want to live with integrity. I think Charlene and I have that in common. So that's essentially mm. what I'm asking you. How do we do this with integrity, yeah. navigate authenticity? So authenticity, I think today has become like this thing of like, I have to share everything about myself all the time or like do it, share everything on the internet. And I feel that I am authentic online or quite honest, but I think most people actually don't know a lot about my personal life or who I am based off what they see on Instagram. So I am authentically showing a part of myself. It doesn't mean that you have to show every time you like went to the bathroom or what you ate that day, (laughs) you know, online. And I think we get that confused for authenticity. There are also Mm. spaces where it's not safe to be authentic all the time. It's going to blow back against you. I can't be my authentic self at work all the time, maybe. Or what I want people to kind of realize is you have many different versions of you, many different parts of you, many ways of like showing up as your full self And I think it's about figuring out like where those parts show up, what it looks like and making that work for you and not spending a lot of time in places or with people that kind of make you feel like you have to purposely hide very meaningful parts of yourself. Now that doesn't mean that you have to like quit your job because you can't be the way you are with your kids at Mm. work. Mm. Um, But it's, You know, it's a fine, like juggling Mm. act, I think today that it can get very confusing. It's a nuanced topic, I would say. 
I suppose at the end of the day, if you, I, I get what you're saying that there's many different parts of you, and at work there's there's I'm Charlene, this part of Charlene, and at home I'm this part of Charlene, and with uh, certain friends I'm this part of Charlene, and other friends I'm another part of Charlene. But um, and it's with some people I'm just all of Charlene, you know. Yes. But you have to. It's it's about self-preservation also at the end of the day, and you have to do what what serves you and makes you feel comfortable and, and safe at the end of the day. Right. And sharing everything with everyone doesn't always make that safe Mm. or make you authentic. Yeah. You do see more often than not when people do share and I don't mean overshare because I think there's certain parts of me that people think I overshare when I stop breastfeeding my little one. I shared it because it, it's along the lines of the content that I normally share. But I think some new followers were like, that's an overshare. So, uh, but I have seen it backfire, for lack of a better term, when people fall to pieces online and use their online followers and friends that they've made online, which is also, you know, legitimate. You can make friends online as well but use those people to cope with a terrible thing that's happened with them. So I think social media has muddied the waters there. Mm, It's tricky. It definitely has. And my rule is that I only share about something vulnerable online if I am ready to take in feedback about that thing because people could give you negative responses. So I struggled a lot with postpartum depression. I decided to share that on my page but had I had done that when I was still in a really fragile place it would not have gone well for me Mm. that's good advice that's such good advice and totally totally relatable I get a lot of like when I'm vulnerable as well uh, now that I think about it I'm also at a space where I'm like I dealt with it but I just want to this happened to me and it was it was crappy and but I want to share it so that I can share my experience through it and be vulnerable. Yeah. And I often get DMs going, oh my God, Sam, are you okay? Are you? And I'm like, I'm fine now. It's, it's cool. But I haven't always been at that space. So it's a really, that's really, really great advice to not mm. rely on social media uh, for feedback when you're not in, the, in, in a space to get it. Speaking of uh, social media, Whitney, I, I feel like it's a bit off topic, but on the parenting, in the parenting line of things, there's a post and I was like, Charlene and I had been discussing this exact thing. The post that most recently went viral, I believe on TikTok, um, is the thread that started with a lot of parents are confused when they don't have a close relationship with their adult children. (laughs) When I saw it, I was like, you know how many, because millennial mothers, um, we can relate on different levels. You know, we all have very different relationships with our mothers and I can be empathetic to a lot of the plights that our mothers faced in bringing us up, but it was a totally different world. Uh, but tell me more about that. Like, how do you get this content? Is it all through your, is it through thinking? Is it through your own experience? Is it through your, through your clients? Is it like a zeitgeist that you see a common thread? Because this was on the money, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I was so was so shocked. It's always the video that I like record in the moment where I didn't brush my hair that like takes <laughs> off, you know, every time. But authenticity, I, uh, authenticity, yes. hashtag authenticity. <laughs> so authentic. 
Um, but that is one that I have, I've been having so many conversations about that with clients. I also, um, you know, I'm trained in family therapy. It's something I read, read about a lot, but it's a huge theme. I feel like I've been talking about it all year with my clients that are like 25 to 35. Mm -hmm. Then in that moment, I was just like, oh, I'm going to record a video about this. And it really did seem to hit a nerve with a lot of people. So can we, I, I realize now that I'm delving into this, I've shared it with Charlene, you know what I'm talking about, our listeners don't know what we're talking about though. So it's more or less, and you can, I think, let me get you started and you, you can sum it up for me. Sure. It's, it's when parents have given and provided for their children to the best of their ability and their children fly the coop, leave the nest and suddenly the relationship is strained. It's not as easy. There almost isn't a relationship and people are confused as to why. That's essentially what you're exploring, right? Can you, can you yes. elaborate? And, and I think the, the main thing is a lot of parents then become quite like argumentative about this or resentful of their kids and say, I provided you with so much. I did so much for you. Why don't we have a relationship? And what I hear from a lot of young adults is, well, you never got to know me. We never had an emotionally close relationship. Yes, you put a roof over my head and you fed me, but we don't really know each other. And once the parent isn't providing for those physical needs, which I always like to point out are required by law, that's not a gift that you gave your child. Um, <laughs> it then becomes hard to sustain a relationship because it's like, yeah, you can have gratitude and say, thanks so much for doing all those things for me. But that doesn't get you very far. Yeah. At it's, the end of the day, it's not a transaction. It's not transactional. You know, it's, it's, that's what unconditional love and providing is about. <laughs> it's exactly. such great content. And there's, there's so much, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan as you can hear uh, for our listeners, you can find Whitney at, if you haven't already at sit with, with W-H-I-T, um, and we'll link everybody up, obviously. I'm curious to know, Whitney, though, is there anything else, something like that viral thread or another in the works that sparked another idea for another book? <laughs> I don't have another book at the moment, but I did just start a good enough community on Substack um, where I introduce a different therapy character every month and we talk about different themes, workbooks, webinars, all of that is available. I signed up That's for it today. Cool. I signed up. Oh, thank you. I'll send you the link, Charlene. Um, yes, and please do. I was just going to say, she can't write a new book now because she's not pregnant. So. <laughs> Where am I going to get my inspiration? Exactly. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I would urge our listeners to sign up for that. We talk often about good enough parenting, um, but good in, doing life in a good enough way is also a really good um you know, leave to take out of your literal book. And yeah. um, also uh, post-COVID, I think another just sort of, you know, leaning into that is this awareness, this increased awareness on mental health. And for, for anybody who hasn't been to therapy, Charlene and I are in therapy. We diligent therapy goers. Maybe sign up for this. Mm. See what, what it's about. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Whitney, you um, – you take different characters and you'll be dealing with their issues as a therapist. Yes. And so yes, for too. someone who has no idea what therapy is about, that's a really good introduction to 
this is kind what of you workshop, could expect. Workshop theories and emotions. Is that kind of the idea? You workshop For a sure. specific topic. Okay, that's yeah, great. Yeah, and you can see kind of how how I would respond as a therapist, yeah. like to some of those things, which I think is a great way if you have no idea what a therapist does. Like yeah, because I think a lot of people, especially I know, and I, I don't know if in this country specifically, I don't know if there's, it's just a more conservative mindset or way of thinking. A lot of people are like, you're only in therapy if you're mentally ill, or you're only going to therapy because a doctor sent you because you're like about to off yourself or something like that. And and I just think that people must change their viewpoint about therapy because it is such a wonderful, useful tool there's so much happening in the world nowadays you don't know what's happening with your with your with your emotions let someone who's qualified to do so uh, show you the way <laughs> exactly especially for parents it's great to have that outlet yeah, mm. for sure you know I want to close off with uh Kristen Bell she's a favorite of mine and she's married to Dak Shepard armchair experts Dak Shepard she said there's a great quote where she says she feels sorry for any couples who aren't in couples therapy. And I'm just like, yeah, actually, you're on the Even money. me. <laughs> Even me. So, Whitney Goodman, thank you so much. For all of our listeners, we're going to hook you up to uh, Whitney's platforms. Um, if you're not following her already, um, I highly suggest you sign up for the Good Enough Substack uh, newsletter. Keep in touch with that. And, of course, uh, read toxic positivity you can find it um at on take a lot loot all of your major bookstores we will link you guys up if you can't find it let us know and we will put you in touch but i'm pretty sure it should be available in all our major bookstores whitney goodman thank you so much for joining us on the great equalizer thank you 